0: member of Sports Strength Network. It is June 20th, 2022. This is Tom coming to you from the underground studio in the Washington DC outpost. Nick joins me from the Houston outpost. And we were unable to do this episode yesterday. So I'll wish you today a happy belated Father's Day to you fathers out there. I had a tremendous Father's Day. I will thank my children. I got a very nice Polish shirt, but I also got some reading material playmakers by Mike Florio very much looking forward to that. I'm sure he writes a good book. He obviously yeah. a wealth of information. I also for my activities had five glorious uninterrupted hours during which I took my bike out for the first ride of the season, came back intact, nice, helpful, I'm no road warrior, and I got the power wash for an hour and a half.
1: I mean that's a man's father's day. And yes, happy father's day to the number one father and that's none of you listening. That's you, my dad. You're my favorite. I'm not biased. But getting a power wash, I know that's pretty much your ideal Father's Day. And then getting to read some um, slightly conspiratorial uh, NFL literature, you know, at your leisurely pace, that's gonna be pretty beautiful. And I've heard some of the excerpts from Florio's book. He's told some of the stories are amazing. Like there's a story about in there about how a few years ago, I guess Mickey Loomis. He works in the front office for two New Orleans professional sports teams, both the Saints and the Pelicans. And they had just traded Anthony Davis one summer or something like that, superstar MVP candidate center uh, for the Pelicans at that time. They traded him to L.A. And then – but, like, they were in the process of trading him to L.A. And they had a deal on the Saints side of the thing with the Cowboys to send Sean Payton to the Cowboys. It was – Already in writing. It was going to happen. And then the Anthony Davis trade came through, and Mickey Loomis, I think it's Mickey Loomis, said, I can't be the guy who gets rid of Sean Payton and Anthony Davis in one offseason for New Orleans, so I am nixing that trade. And I'm pretty sure that is Florio-exclusive sort of knowledge. That's shocking. I mean, I, I can't remember the last time we've had a major coach trade like that. It's sort of shades of the Belichick retiring on a napkin after one day coaching the Jets type of material. And uh, so I think that there's a lot of really cool stories in there that are not totally public knowledge or maybe not widely proliferated. And I'm glad that I sort of gave myself a present on Father's Day, which is knowing you'll get true enjoyment out of reading it. But I wasn't going to read it because it's a book. Sometimes that's hard to do. And now I'll get to hear the stories from it. So thank you for Father's Day. Uh,
0: Of course. Well, you're being modest. He he does read. And I'm going to read off the script that we – this is – this has actually been a pretty good off season. We're, we're usually kind of wringing our hands, hoping there'll be something to talk about. There is no lack of things to talk about. Oh. The number one story, Minka Fitzpatrick signs a record breaking contract. Let me just give you a couple of the parameters here really quickly, $73.6 million, 36 million guaranteed, guaranteed as they say. So that places him numero uno in terms of total cash. He is, uh, depending on how you measure these things, in the top three of guaranteed money.
1: Yeah. I think that this is the most no-brainer, easy signing the Steelers have made since one year ago when they signed T.J. Watt. So you're talking about two guys – one who's won the Defensive Player of the Year, one who was, and he's in it every year, T.J. Watt, one guy who was in the running his first year with the Steelers and is universally agreed upon to be one of the very best safeties in the league. I know there's been some weird back-and-forth conjecture over, like, the last year of, like, oh, maybe he's overrated, he's not, but just follow any good film Twitter account, and you'll see. Ask, <laughs> look at any interview from any head coach. Minkah Fitzpatrick is a massive deal in Pittsburgh, and he's spectacular. So th- that is really off the table. I mean, especially like since the Steelers don't have anyone else who can play deep and so much of his responsibility, it is almost a Revis-like impact. We're like, whoop, they're not going to throw towards him. So you don't get to see all the splash plays of Troy Polamalu blitzing because I am sure that everybody is inherently comparing him to Ed Reed or Troy, the guys that they saw a lot at safety, Uh, and he's just such a different player. He, He is a little bit more in the Ed Reed mold, but guess what? They don't throw to him quite as often. So he's amazing. He is knock on wood super durable he's extremely smart he plays a position and a style that should last the test of time where this is a five-year deal he should still be awesome by the end of this deal I mean the honey badger only just started slipping in the past year or so and so I think that with a with a free safety you can last to year 10 11 12 and still be a really good player and then obviously off the field He's spectacular. Like, he's a super hard worker. He's a good leader. Everybody loves him. He doesn't get into trouble, whatever, whatever. It's such an easy signing. And I told you one of the things with the podcast is I don't want to take this. There's just a lot of hackiness that goes on in sports media and in Twitter, right? So, I guess the hacky approach to this thing is we could have led this segment with how could you have a problem signing Minka Fitzpatrick to a deal? Because there are plenty of people on Twitter. Who are saying like, you know, anytime you sign any player, they think that there's this magical draft right around the this this Steelers nineteen seventy draft or whatever it was, or the Seahawks were like, just just draft multiple Hall of Famers and don't pay them that much. It's not that hard. Why would you pay a good player when he gets <laughs> when he gets up time for a contract? Look, um I understand why people say that just because as like a math equation, it sounds good. But that, that's my response is like you pay the great players, especially the guys who are super consistent like Minka and have no baggage. And then you just, yeah, you just pay them and then you get a really good team. That's how it works.
0: Who wouldn't believe that Omar Khan was criticized for this? Because to your point, how hard is it to just pay the guy the most, the highest salary in NFL for, for safeties and I would say, when you look at the details of a contract, there are a lot of variables. There's guaranteed, there's cash, there's cash up front, there's backloaded, there're avoidable years. All there's a lot of complexity because he can't just worry about one player. He's got an entire team to worry about, right? And you, uh, I'm trying to look up the data, but so the Steelers have the highest, pay, purportedly the highest paid defense. I'm not sure if they're measuring right. cash guaranteed or what, but and the lowest paid offense. So he's got a and he
1: has who who do we have to sign next year? Well, Deontay Johnson's one that they're thinking yeah. about, but obviously have flexibility. Yeah, exactly. Like you you kind of just locked up the two superstars at the perfect time in their career when like they'll still be pretty great by the end of these contracts at edge rusher and safety. I mean, I don't uh I, I love it. And I guess I did sort of end up taking the hacky take of like, how could you have a problem with this? But um I guess I just wanted to focus on more of that this should be one of those relief things. I just feel like Ben's era, uh, which is also, you know, James Farrier and Ike Taylor and James Harrison, all those guys. I feel like this is just how guys got signed every year. Like, well, of course they signed Woodley. And ironically, that one didn't turn out great. Like, yeah, of course they, they extended Aaron Smith. Of course they signed James Harrison. It's just a, such a stealer signing. Like, oh, this guy's awesome. And he's super reliable. It's great. I think it's spectacular, and I guess my analysis of the situation is I'm so glad they got it done so early, and I wonder if this is a little bit of a sign of the changing of the guard from Kevin Colbert to Omar Khan because traditionally this deal for a Steelers superstar player gets done literally within three days of the first game because I believe TJ was like that, and I believe uh, Cam Hayward was the same way. And then I've, I think Ben doesn't really count the quarterback deals they get done in other ways, but it just seems like they always wait to the absolute eleventh hour since they don't negotiate contracts during season. And it was kind of cool to see this get done in June, and I was really surprised when I saw the news and I said, "Oh, awesome!" Well, let's well just I guess check a couple. Of,
0: wasn't AB the first non-quarterback to get an extension before the end of his term? Wasn't that Did like he? an early? They
1: pushed money to him. They kept like restructuring and just pushing him later money. So I don't even know if he broke. No, he didn't. I believe it was no. I don't know. I don't think they extended him, but I do remember what it is. They pushed money up towards him every single year, and I loved that they did that too. Because the argument against it will be, "Oh, that's a dangerous precedent to set." But I think with somebody like A. B. or like T. J. Watt, who's the guy who the first guy who they've given like extra guaranteed money to, uh, besides Ben, I think with A. B. and T. J. Watt, it's so easy to make the point to the players is like it's it's Antonio Brown, like you're you you just you have no argument that you're on the same hemisphere as this guy, and same with t j. Watt. So I think those were calculated risks that the Steelers took, and a good sign that they're flexible in modernizing,
0: yeah, and I think you're on to something about the the changing the philosophy because the Steelers generally don't guarantee more than a year's worth of of salary and obviously minka at thirty six million his average is what eighteen he's basically got two years guaranteed that's kind of unusual. And I have to say, I don't think that's just because Omar Khan's the GM. He's been GM for two minutes. This maybe have been in the works. Uh, I like the fact that the Steelers also have adopted the hold-in. It's is acceptable yeah. to lock guys in and you know make sure that their practice, uh, they're not from their their standpoint, they're not going to get injured before a contracts done. So there does seem to be some flexibility in the way the Steelers are dealing
1: with their their signings now. Yeah, and the players are just going to continue loving the Steelers for this. I mean, there's you just can't find a player who has a bad word about them. And who was even J.J. Watt was talking about the Steelers the other day on McAfee when they, you know they always bring up the question of his brothers and like, hey, why didn't you come to Pittsburgh play with your brothers? And he just he praised the Steelers relentlessly and said, yeah, when I talked to T.J. It's the um, the point that he gets to is like, yeah, Tomlin's the exact coach that everybody thinks he is he's super personable he's tough and hardcore and he tells you exactly where he's to everybody loves playing for this guy and in that front office as well so that's a big deal and i'm hoping that we see that really pay off with this kenny pickett like hey we're gonna go with the rookie contract and especially if we're gonna go with the rookie where okay we didn't wait for years to find or we didn't trade up for a justin fields or maybe a more ballyhooed prospect we're taking the guy who's like okay It may not be the highest ceiling, but he could be a good quarterback. But let's use the rookie contract to the advantage. So I hope they use the Steelers being well liked and Kenny's rookie contract as an excuse to make some massive signings within, you know, next year. I would hope that they make like a a big splash free agency signing because otherwise you can say everybody loves playing for the Steelers and that's great. But then what does it like get them (laughs) besides being morally sound? Yeah. And I'm
0: really curious to see what they do with Deontay. I mean, we've talked yeah. about this ad nauseum, right? How much do they value, how much do they want to take a wide receiver who probably was definitely not in AB's league? But relative to what they can get in the league, uh, is he worth the money? We, we will see. We'll see what George Pickens can do. I mean, that might, that, that, yeah, that exactly. to me might, and I'm not even sure, would he be taking Johnson's place? I mean, they kind of have a nice balance now. If they move Claypool to the slot, they have, um, what, like an X and a Z yeah, receiver? Yeah, it's pretty amazing.
1: I think that I think that the goal will be to put Pickens at that spot that Johnson's into. Yeah, he's supposed to be a number one receiver who can win on the boundary and do everything. So I, I really think, especially since they got him in particular, not Calvin Austin, who's going to be a, a fun player, but that Pickens pick is us all sitting here like, well, we're not going to sign here. We're kind of going to turn around in week 10 and we should be able to tell about George Pickens. That's the funny thing too, like with these Steelers receivers – You've been able to tell by week 10 of their rookie year how good they are. If you look at the last few, it's been Claypool. He was great. I know he's controversial, but he was great his rookie year. Juju, same thing. Martavis, same thing. James Washington, didn't really do much. (laughs) And that's kind of how it panned out. So I'm reticent to say that we're going to have to make a final ruling on Pickens by week 10 or whatever it is. And I only say week 10 because Juju and Martavis – well, Juju might have started earlier, whom I think. Yeah, Juju Martavis started like week six or week eight. Like they waited until halfway through the year. So I, I gave him a, a few weeks. Whereas with Chase Claypool, you probably knew by week four or five, like, oh, this guy's really good. Uh, but I guess that is a perfect transition because I realized I didn't put this on our script because it just came out. Our friend David was just texting me Chase Claypool's quote. Have you seen it from today? No. Yeah. So we got to find a fun way to cover this because this is such a common NFL offseason story. One player makes a proclamation that he's a good player and that he thinks he's a good player. But he did say, I'm a top three receiver in this league. And, of course, people are going to rip him for it. Obviously, we know on the podcast, well, like, talent-wise, he like, that's kind of what he looks like. He's Julio Jones and Calvin Johnson-esque. He's gigantic. He's gorgeous. I mean, the man's insanely handsome. He's fast and he's ripped. He He's a freak of nature. He actually does have the body type of a top... And, and some of the plays he makes are top three receiver-esque where you, you'd say, it's actually not insane to think that, but obviously he's just missing one important skill, which is consistently catching the ball or finding where it goes through the air. So we know he's not a top three guy. So I don't want to take – I don't want to have the preordained conversation here, which is what are they supposed to say, right? Like that's usually it. I want to ask why three? Like why not five? He shows or, a lack of one? confidence. <laughs> Or like five, or like I'm a top 10 receiver. I'm a top th- I'm a top five. I'm a like, does he have two other guys in mind? Or was that him trying to be like, well, I want to be confident enough to know that I could be the best. And I feel like five is almost selling myself short. Or is he thinking like, well, no, I mean, Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson are better. So, but other than those guys, I got him.
0: Well, he set his own, he set his own milestones at what? 1300 yards and 10 touchdowns. That That's gives us something. This year? That's what he predicted for himself. So that, that gives us something to watch. And maybe we'll do that with uh, – we might put a little skin in the game.
1: Yeah, let's put a little skin in the game and let's do that.
0: We don't, I'm trying to look at where 1,300 yards. We don't have an yards, advertiser, do we? <laughs> no, we don't. we, we, we got to start one. So 1,300 yards is right above Tyreek Hill and right below Mark Andrews. So that would have placed him seventh in the league last year. And as far as touchdowns go – got a resort many, here would you I'll, I'll
1: filibuster I'll filibuster for you what were his rookie stats and and obviously keep in mind worst offensive line in the league and Ben on his last legs and offensive coordinators who didn't know how to call plays so even those could be a little bit low but he he definitely put up some decent numbers his yeah. rookie
0: year right he had 62 receptions 873 yards and okay, that, that was there? That, that, that the big one was that he had nine touchdowns yeah a bunch of them rushing though huh he only had 16 yards rushing 10, 10 carries, what? 16 yards.
1: Yeah. That feels wrong, but maybe some of them were jet sweeps. Cause I know he had a ton of yards on those end of rounds, but yeah, I guess that's just my only qualm is that I just, you know, I don't know where your head's at that uh, three. I mean, I feel like five is just a more sensible, like top five. That's what we always do. Or one, you know, I'm the best receiver in the league. Just do that one chase. But you know, I'm still a fan of him. My, I, I hope that people can develop opinion a little bit more. <laughs> my opinion, I guess is what I was about to say. <laughs> but well, uh, you My opinion is like, no, I really like him. He's great, and he does annoying things. And I can still like him and say like, yeah, it's pretty annoying when he does annoying stuff. Isn't what we want him to do is just to stay on his feet? Because he, t- he has he has been
0: able to be make nice. some combat catches. I think staying a little yards after catch is going to help his game immensely.
1: It would help his game immensely. I don't know how much you can learn how to track the ball, which is just his other problem, getting downfield. And then the whole stacking defenders, like, it's not easy to just run past guys. There's an art to it. And he doesn't seem to have those things down. So do I hope for that? I don't know. But I definitely hope for him to stay on the feet a little bit more, work on those things specifically. And then I do hope that they use him better because I really think they should be looking at him more like a Debo Samuel or a DJ Moore, these catch-and-run type guys instead of always trying to send him deep. Because I think if you give him that juju role from two or three years ago where he's running all those mid-length crossers, that's where he's like a star.
0: How is the slot receiver utilized in the Canada offense from what you can see? The jet sweep's really on the guys on the edges, and the slot receiver's not going to be involved that much. I mean, no. he was juju got a lot of targets, but I don't think they're anything unusual.
1: They run. I mean, they'll run the jet sweep to a slot guy too. Chase has got them there as well. I like our buddy Derek the kid on Twitter's comments about the Canada offense. He just puts quotations around the Canada offense because we're not really sure if it if it exists. And then obviously, there's a lot of. Uh, I, I'm sure that the the Ben thing made it difficult on him last year to call the right plays. That that only makes sense, you know. The guy's been running the system for 18 years, and like we said last week, it's probably the right move, but. Uh, I don't exactly have faith that it's just going to be revolutionized. Like, you couldn't work within the confines of 18 years worth of plays. Like, that's that's too limiting for you. I like, come on, let's not give him an entire pass that way.
0: So you had mentioned that the uh, the players keep giving give, giving us quotes, and there is a long long time Stiller alumnus yeah. who threw out something. He looks something triggered him, and I have no idea why he would be sending that out now.
1: Yeah, Rashard Mendenhall. This is happening more often. He sends out these crazy tweets every so often. But here's the tweet from Rashard. I begin. Okay, here it is. I never fumbled that ball. Dot, dot, dot. Super Bowl. Dad, what's XLV? Yep. I don't know what it is. Yep, okay. I never fumbled that ball. And the hashtags the Super Bowl, the Green Bay Packers Super Bowl, where he fumbled uh, the ball while the Steelers were driving in a Packers territory. Game was 21-17, Steelers were driving, fourth quarter. Rodgers gets the ball back, goes down, scores, game's kind of over. I never fumbled that ball. My coaches would feel like assholes to say that I did, period. Or, let's see, comma, I never did. Should have been a semicolon. I was separated, all caps, from the ball, comma, four yards into the backfield. That's the running back equivalent of a strip sack. There's capital, nothing I could have done about it. Respect my career, period. Then hashtag free 34. That's wild. All I'm going to say is that he retired to go write on TV and and do art and stuff like that. And You know, I retired early from football to do art as well, so I understand it. But I do kind of like when the guys who who kind of tout their other interests outside of football, I like it when you see, oh, they do care about football. They do care. Uh, Now, do I like it when you just exclusively blame your offensive line for you Literally fumbling it, like that's what a fumble is. They take the ball out of your hand. And Alex Kazora did point out, yeah, the blocking was terrible. Was it Clay Matthews or was it AJ Hawk? I think it was Clay Matthews, who came in there, one of those Nordic gods, came in there and ripped the ball out of Mendenhall's arm. And if you look at the play, as Kazora pointed out, like he actually had good ball security, but I would I would counter, he he didn't, because he dropped it. It might have looked like he had good ball security, but that was a Mendenhall issue. He he looked great. That spin move, is the greatest spin move I've ever seen in my life. But, dude, you can't fumble there. What are we doing? You can't be ripping your teammates way down the line. How do you feel about this tweet, Dad? I'm sure you love it, being born, you know, when you were.
0: I'm just wondering why he's sending a tweet out 12 years later.
1: Yeah, it's June as well. What's going on? Slow news month. Respect my career. I do. Uh, under four yards of carry. Man, they didn't have very good offensive lines, so, uh Yeah, I liked Mendy when he played. He was a little frustrating, but he was pretty good. Always crazy to think, now that they have Najee, that was the last first-round running back they took was hall
0: Is that right? Wow. Yeah. He had three th- – he, so he's, he was with the Steelers for six years, ended up at uh, Arizona this final year. He had yeah. three 1,000-yard seasons for us, a respectable 30
1: 30 ish, 29 touchdowns. So he was a good player and they didn't have a great offense at that time too. You know, uh, I'm glad that he cares. You probably don't want to be throwing everybody under the bus that way. Respect my career period. And then hashtag free 34. Hey, we, we
0: we said we don't like to predict games. We don't look at the schedule and predict a, you know, a nine and eight season, but you do have to wonder if we've the strength of schedule has weakened a bit when you look at deshaun watson's potential future
1: and now they're talking about it so uh and they're talking about a year they're gonna gonna give him a year which is actually what i I don't know if i've said on the podcast but that's been my prediction kind of the entire time i don't think they're gonna do the trevor bauer two-year thing because i think that it's very clear that the nfl does not care. They just want the biggest stars on the field, and especially if you get them for an interesting team like the Browns. You're talking about a top-five quarterback in the league. I I feel like their strategy is going to be a year, and it'll blow over, and we'll get him back in there. Um, you know what, 26 allegations now? That's so many. Uh, so it is going to be hard for him to play this year. And you're right. That makes the Browns a lot easier. They're still so crazy talented. But I just would have a good feeling about the Steelers. I, I think the Steelers could actually sweep the Browns. They would actually have a chance at that this year if he doesn't play. Just because I think the vibe around the team is going to be all wrong. You know what's uh, this should not be a surprise,
0: but I was a bit surprised that the NFLPA is going uh, is going to vigorously defend him against such a penalty. They and they're they're comparing what is being uh, purported for Watson to the conduct to which the owners and management are held The quote the quote right. unquote ownership and club or league management have traditionally been held to a higher standard and will be subject to more significant discipline when violations of the personal conduct policy occur. And specifically they're going to point to Dan Snyder, Robert Kraft, guilty yeah. of Hand pretty much guy. the same, yeah, pretty much the same, uh, type of activity and Jerry Jones who reportedly had protected a player. So, right right good point and we've we've talked about every time there's a controversy of this nature uh we talk about this the nfl's uneven handling now the uh, the nfl has hired a disciplinary officer uh sue robinson a retired federal judge to sort of separate this and get robert uh roger goodell out of the equation so presumably you know she may be able to weigh these things in a bit more judicious manner i'll be curious because i When you think about Ray Rice, right? Yeah,
1: the picture of him in the elevator, of a video, the video clocking her, and it all comes back to Ray Rice. And speaking of Mike Florio again, that's what he says. Like Goodell almost lost his job over that. So they're going to take this seriously. They're they're going to. It's just going to take. I guess with the amount of accusations, it's going to take to like 2024 for them to even like resolve all the cases. So they're just going to. And think about this, Dad. They just suspended, what's the receiver, the little receiver from Atlanta, I don't know, Ridley, they suspended him a year for betting, I want to say like $500 on a game when he was not with the team this past year. He took the year off and he bet on a game, and they're like, oh, he was betting on NFL games, he's an NFL player. He's suspended for the whole year. I didn't hear that story yeah it was a few months back oh stupid of him to do it but at the same time it was like 500 bucks he's not at the team facility he's not like in the nfl technically he took the year off like a mental health issue but uh they suspended that guy a year so it will be crazy when deshaun watson gets the same treatment and we know like look this is the dark side of the nfl it's just about money for for the for the owners who are at the very top like that's why because if there's somebody gambling that's going to take money out of their pockets that, that would make uh, – especially with the proliferation of legalized gambling, you could think, oh, the, the league is rigged, and that would really affect your profits. Whereas they've kind of shown like you can you – know, people can get past uh, player misconduct and stuff like that to a certain extent. Do
0: you recall last week during the, our episode, we, we were talking about a favorite under-the-radar stealer that we used to – we tracked each game. We had a little – um
1: Segment. Yeah, a little little cutout during our segment
0: about David
1: David Johnson. It was Will Johnson, and this is even better because the segment was called Will Will Johnson Get the Ball? It's the worst, best segment ever known to man, but that actually makes this even better because we constantly just – we decided David Johnson and Will Johnson are the same guy, and I can't remember who came first, who came next, or if they had overlap, but they're both great H backs. Is he back?
0: Yes, he may be be back. He's not back now. He is a running back, free agent running back, uh, whom the Saints did not re-sign, but uh, (laughs) conjectured to be looking at the Steelers, and what is the quote? The quote is, that would be a great place to be at.
1: A new David Johnson, you're saying, right? I mean, I'm assuming he's reincarnated.
0: Yeah, he's new.
1: That's brilliant. I love the sound of that. I think that uh, we'll be following his career closely. We'll be tracking it here on the podcast, and we can do that thanks to Sports Drink. Sports Drink sponsors every episode of the Steelers Outpost podcast these days, and we are so thankful for Sports Drink, your digital water cooler. They're a newly created internet community that tries to find the intersection of sports and not sports. They're here to help us grow, and they're here... The copy says something, but I realize what they meant to say is they're here to love the Steelers and exclusively the Steelers, and so are we, so that's dope. Go to sportsdrink.org or open Instagram and type in at sportsdrink, spelled like sportsdrink without the vowels, to learn more.
0: Hey, before we get out of here, we haven't talked about this, but it's so noticeable when you see any photos or videos of training camps, these guardian caps that the players Oh, my
1: gosh. How have we not talked about that? Yeah, no, give me the concussion. I'm sure they're all saying the same thing, yeah.
0: I, you know what and I, I, I I'm jaundiced, and then I, I read a little bit more about them. That they they are uh, so they're not going to use them in in season, to which I said, "Do you not care about the players?" But you know like everything, it's there's there, it's not a panacea. Studies show that many factors contribute to concussions. It's yeah. including force, the place of the impact, brain development, previous history of head injury. So this is not the be all and end all. it's it's, you know, it's one experiment to reduce the driving force. One drawback of the caps, and, and if you think about what those things probably are and are they're they're rubberized, is that yeah. they don't deflect off of each other as easily. So you could literally, you know, where you would have a glancing blow against a normal helmet, these things might tend to stick together for a second as opposed to sliding off of each other. So that slightly increases the chances of neck, neck injury. Um, oh,
1: neck injury, gotcha, yeah.
0: So the technology has advanced to the point where some players are wearing sensors in their mouth guard that provide extra data about the impact, and Jeez. that allows the the you know the the developers to have information that they otherwise couldn't develop cool. in a laboratory. so uh, it, it's interesting.
1: i don't I don't know if it looks hilarious. It looks I cool. I, I really like the you get used to anything. It's a bobblehead. It's like there's used to be a bobblehead mode on either uh, oh yeah, on NFL blitz, the greatest video game ever created. and they're basically, they found that in real life. So, yeah, whatever. I guess you get used to anything, right? I remember when the first, when the when the Pro Air helmets or whatever the heck, they, the Revolution helmets came out, Peyton Manning would wear them. They looked so goofy. Actually, they ended up getting rid of them. But even, like, the newer helmets that they have now, it's so goofy. Now we don't care. It's hey, look, I,
0: when, those, when those face masks first came out, I said they'll never stick. And I turned out to be wrong. Hit us oh. up on Twitter at Steelers Outpost. Shoot us an email at SteelersOutpost at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Until next week, go Steelers.
1: Okay, bye-bye.
0: Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills.
1: There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact
0: muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact.
1: Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Some people just know bundling with Allstate means big savings. Just like they know the right ingredient means big flavor. They know honey on pizza is where it's at. And olive oil on ice cream is the cherry on top. And they know when you bundle home and auto with Allstate, you can save up to 25%. Mm Mm-mm